0: To eat like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his eating is the great obsession of every abnormal eater. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. We learn that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were compulsive over-eaters. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people, or presently may be, has to be smashed. Our first speaker is Alice from San Diego, who will speak for 25 minutes, and I think she gets a, a warning with five minutes left. So that's the lady you want to look at, Alice from San Diego.
1: And I love mice. I'm Alice. I'm an average compulsive eater, and by the grace of God, and a fellowship of overeaters anonymous. I've been abstinent for over 17 years. And to qualify, I've been somewhere over 220, and I was 121 and three-quarters one afternoon when I was 16 until I got out of the movies. So, you got to do what you got to do. I just wanted to say that I'm really honored to be here today, and also that this chapter, because I was asked to talk about The first two paragraphs, I have read this chapter over and over again for two weeks, and it has strengthened my abstinence. It has strengthened my connection with my higher power, and it's made me more accepting of others even, you know. Um, I found each sentence incredibly powerful, and I just broke them down, you know. Um, The first sentence, most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real compulsive overeaters. Well, you know, I just needed a better diet. You know, I mean, this one worked for quite a while, but I need a better one. I need a better one. My favorite was um, one where you had three, you had powder, this powder stuff three times a day. You mixed it with water for a total of 330 calories. And you didn't have to go to the grocery store. You didn't have to buy food anywhere. You just mix the powder, and get really like on Quaaludes. You know, you get really whacked out, and everything. Like Terrell was talking about last night, how the ups and downs. Do. This was all down, and you just kind of go, hmm. And I broke my big toe one day because I didn't even know that my Heavy chair, one leg of it was on my toe, and I didn't notice it, and after a while, like about five minutes passed, and I sat there going, Al? Oh. Anyway. Um, You know, I thought too, well, it's those parties that I go to, you know? And I don't want to be rude. I mean, they made all this stuff. And you know, it's just veggies and dip, you know, and I'll just have a few, Yeah, that's okay. You know, I didn't want to upset them. That was called denial. I wanted that stuff and I wanted it alone. If they could all leave, that would be good but I didn't have a problem I wasn't a compulsive eater I know other people did that and I go you know I take that bite and I go I'm just going to have this tablespoon of this and I take the bite and I go whoa that's really good i to see how many of you have done this one well that was so good I wonder what the next bite will taste like right Mr. your hand. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm not alone. And so it goes. You have to keep, you know, checking the quality control of the items.
2: <laughs>
1: and, you know, normal eaters do that. Uh huh. Yeah, uh huh. I've seen it. And I wrote, I said, you know, okay, so sometimes I eat too much. You know, everybody sometimes eats too much. That's normal. I just need to, you know, get on a better diet and exercise more. Because that's what everybody does, yeah? Oh well, yeah, sure. Second sentence said, no person likes to think. <laughs> he is bodily and mentally different from this fellow, so I must say that I'd known all my life that I was mentally different. Um, my original thought as a very young child was that I should not have been born. I, and I remember my mother telling me that I was in a breech position when she went into pretty close to going into labor about a week before and the doctor turned me around and I thought, well, that was a real mistake. I should have been born dead. That's who I am. And as far as, you know, the rest of the stuff is the same thing. I can control it you know it. I can just eat less. My favorite thing to do was to skip breakfast. A lot of people skip breakfast, you know, and all I have to do is not eat sweets. Okay, I was a sweet junkie. I was so happy when brown sugar came out in plastic bags because the cardboard boxes were difficult to deal with. And I remember sitting on the living room floor with my first bag of brown sugar in a plastic bag. And I was ecstatic. And I sat in the middle of my living room floor and sat there and ate it with my hands. And I was just in heaven. But then I had to balance it off with chips. Anyway, so I said, well, just eat sweets. Just eat the vegetables, especially iceberg lettuce and vinegar and other free foods from, I think Weight Watchers had free foods. I don't know. I did it twice. Um, uh, because of this iceberg lettuce I don't buy heads of iceberg lettuce anymore that is one of my alcoholic foods okay I can't eat it like a person like a mensch I don't know how to eat it if I'm at a restaurant and they have it in the salad it's nothing I don't buy iceberg lettuce and I said you know I'm not any different than anybody else probably everybody goes on diets from time to time Well, yeah, and then they keep it off. You know, and it's typical at holiday times. A lot of people put on 10 pounds. Sometimes they're shocked they put 15 pounds on. Me, between Halloween and uh, Easter, we're talking, uh, if I'm lucky, 40 pounds. But I wasn't any different. I wasn't any different. Everybody had problems at holiday times and says, therefore it's not surprising that our eating careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we could eat like other people. Well, I said, okay. Well, I'll just put off eating for as long as I can. You know, I see a lot of people doing that. You know, well, you know what? I'm in the laboratory business and... I don't know what a normal eater is. I only know what I see others do over the years. And I have no idea what it is, but it was my thought that, well, this is normal. When eating with orders, right, you never eat a lot. Nobody has ever seen me eat a hot fudge sundae, okay? Could I have that to go, please? I'll just have a little salad like just dinner salad I don't need anymore I'm fine and then you go home and eat those two bags of groceries if there's a potluck or a party at work and in the lab business these are heavy food people I mean the parties are ridiculous and I just put a little piece on the plate you know that's all I need and then other people come in and bring more food And I go, I haven't tried that. And I get another little plate. And then it was, again, you know, that was so good. I'm going to have a little more. And somebody would say, Alice, have some more of this. I need it. I know you like it. I go, oh, thank you. Well, that's pretty normal. Except that countless vain attempts. Boy. And then, of course, the old yo-yos. Diet, starve exercise to excess um one time i remember i was around 158 pounds smoking two packs a day drinking 20 cups of coffee hadn't exercised in i don't know how long i was i don't know 34 5 6 i don't remember and i decided i'm going to take tons of karate yeah that's all I need. I need exercise. Let really do it. And I got the gi, you know, the outfit and the white belt, and and it was okay that the soles of my feet bled on the linoleum floor. That's average. And the teacher said, yeah, that happens. You have to build up calluses. And my knuckles bled because of the neoprene block you hit into. And he said, well, yeah, that happens until you build up calluses. Um, I think that's called masochism and a 10-year-old boy knocked me out I mean (laughs) he's like this tall maybe 90 pounds and I fell into his head shop and went just down okay now this is where my disease really kicked in big time it's been growing since I was three years old um I saw people drinking grapefruit juice after the class electrolytes or something I don't know I go ah electrolytes I need
2: electrolytes
1: (laughs) that's it so I went you know I'm going to have grapefruit I'm going to have grapefruit juice I'm going to have pepperoncini peppers and pickles and iceberg lettuce with light vinegar and that's all I'm going to eat makes sense right and I continued doing what I've been doing that's all I ate um, I will share with you that I, uh, I lost four pounds in two months.
2: <laughs>
1: and I ended up in the emergency room with a deadly disease. Um, not to, I don't really mean to gross you out, but it is gross. I, had, um, I was bleeding out from the you know, rectal bleeding quite severe. My blood pressures were really low. And they put me in the hospital for four days with only an IV going into my body. No food, the bastards. <laughs> Now, here's the real bad part. I got out and I put six pounds on. And, you know, I still have a bit of a resentment about that. You know, how could that be? And all along, I'm like, if I could just weigh 120 pounds, which I believe I weighed in fifth grade, <laughs> my life would be fine. I just need to be 120 pounds. And I also share with you that... um on occasion now, I still think, well, you know, 132 would be good. Well, actually, 120, well, actually, 120 would be good. I'm a compulsive overeater. I, 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 I'm not an anorexic, really. I've had some episodes, but my thing is food. I'll share with you that um, my physician had told me some years ago, 1992, I think, 91, that with my, this is what's funny, that I have a very large bone structure. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> years. That's why I weighed 180. That's why 200. I had a very large bone structure. He said, just a very large bone structure. I would, I'd been exercising quite a bit over the years, moderately in abstinence. My muscle tone was good. I was backpacking. He said, He's looking at my medical, oh, you weigh 142, it's perfect. I said, what? I staggered. I said, he said, that's the right weight for you. And I said, would you write that down in a prescription pad for me? (laughs) He said, no, deal with it. (laughs) He was tall and thin. He didn't get it. And I told him, I remember that over years and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, good for you. Okay, fourth sentence. The idea that somehow someday uh we'll control and enjoy our eating is the great obsession of every abnormal compulsive eater my thyroid must be low i convinced the doctor to up my thyroid i am smart and sneaky and i know how to work it and he did so i had heart palpitation and i didn't lose any more weight from that I went in and told the doctor that I was having some other problem. He gave me another drug, Inderol. I really don't know what's that for anymore. It was too long ago, and my resting pulse was over 240, and I had pain here. I had pain going down my arm. I had pain in my jaw Did I go to the hospital? No, I need to lose weight. I thought of getting... Oh, this is really gross. Okay, so I had cats, and one of them had tapeworm. Tapeworm. Bitchin'. I had gelatin capsules put some in the gelatin capsule eat them and you'll get really skinny because the food won't get processed they eat it and of course they also eat your intestines but that's not a big deal because you can go and get rid of them later yeah I considered having my mouth wired shut, and then I realized you can still get a straw in there.
2: <laughs>
1: at this point in my life, diets didn't work. I couldn't lose weight no matter what. I couldn't stay on a diet at all. We're talking hours. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. I, I couldn't understand why I was that. I couldn't understand it it made no sense. Why couldn't I weigh 125 pounds? Even forty five. 220 something? Huh. I don't know how that happened. Denial. You know, many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. I was shocked. I was doomed to this life. Every night when I went to bed, I don't know how many of you have done this. I don't think I'm alone. I'd think, because I didn't know about God or anything, I just go, if I could just die in my sleep, then I wouldn't have to do another day of living this way. I couldn't stand another day of feeling that way, of not being able to do anything about the food. It was my priority in life. Nothing else mattered. By the way, my cat got up to 13 pounds.
2: <laughs>
1: um, as I mentioned, I work in lab. One day, I found myself in my little narrow kitchen, hand on the refrigerator where the double sheet cake was. I made it for work, you know. The other hand holding a needle and syringe filled with air. Which one, which one? Well, guess what, I'm here today.
2: Okay.
1: We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were compulsive eaters. This is the first step in recovery. want to share with you the first meeting I went to on uh, March 28th, 1988. I went to this noon meeting because I kind of ran out of food and I was down to the flour and I'm really not just a flour and water person, you know. (laughs) So I had like food all over the shelf. You know the shelf. Living room was a mess. The cat was crashed. And I sat at that meeting because that meeting was an hour long. My transit time was half an hour to 45 minutes. I also have TMJ. That's a bad disease for a compulsive eater to have. It's not right. But I'll tell you, ice cream, it should work. Okay. I sat there during that meeting, and I listened to people share. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, yeah, I ate in the closet. Yeah, I did this. I did, yeah, I stole food. It's like, yeah, so what? yeah so what's different you know yeah sure yeah sure last person who shared it was like a burning desire thing he said his name he said he was here so he didn't have to weigh 225 pounds again and he was here for his sanity Um, for some reason it caught my attention it caught my attention because I knew I was insane and he talked about the fact that he had a disease that was not his fault just like diabetes or cancer or whatever. It wasn't his fault. And all of a sudden it all went click, 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 click. One, two, three. I realized at that time that there was a power greater than myself that had been taking care of me all this time. You know, the food kept me going to get to Overeaters Anonymous, and then it like screwed itself because I got abstinent. I realized I did have a disease. It wasn't my fault. And I also realized that the program of Odors, Odor, Overeaters Anonymous gave me a way of recovering from this disease one day at a time. And if you can do it, I can do it. I'm a little competitive. I knew, as he said, get a sponsor, get abstinent, work the steps, do service. And I swear he was talking to me. He was looking somewhere else, but he talked to me. And after the meeting, I was like a burden, a physical burden removed from my back. And I'll tell you, uh, that night when I went to work, I did something very unusual. I had breakfast and I poured the cereal into the bowl with two hands as a child would. And I cut up the banana. And I hadn't had breakfast in how many years? And I cut up the banana with a dull knife, like a child would. And I poured the milk with two hands I was a baby. And I sat down at the table and I ate it. Then I did something weird, another weird thing. This is all unplanned. Totally unplanned. When I went to bed that day, I had no plan on doing anything except coming back to OA. I packed the lunch. I go, okay, well, was, I don't know, sandwich, and a couple pieces of fruit, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I took it to work. And I didn't eat again until my lunch break at 3 a.m. And the next day, well, I'd asked a woman at that meeting to sponsor me, because when I talked to this man, you know, will you sponsor me? And I'm just sobbing. And he's going, I don't sponsor women. Here, you know, took me over to this woman. And she said, call me tomorrow at 9 o'clock. And I called her, and she said she didn't have room. And I'm like, what the? You know. <laughs> and she gave me names and phone numbers of about five people that i could call i continued calling and calling the fifth person i got was home i never met her and i've been absent since uh, march 29 1988 by grace of god my definition of absence is directly from the book ovaries anonymous first chapter i abstain from eating compulsively by not eating between planned meals and avoiding my individual binge foods, my plan of eating has varied over the years due to various things. Backpacking requires this. Cancer chemo required that. Um, some other problems required that. Blah blah blah. And you know, and I cried a lot. And I did have a funeral for my quesadilla. <laughs> It's true. little brave. I had some popsicle sticks, of course. I made a little cross. I'm Jewish. I, you can't make a six-pointed star with five popsicle sticks.
2: <laughs>
1: so I put a little cross, huh? And I cried and cried and cried and said goodbye. The delusion that we are like other people that presently may be has to be smashed. It was smashed. It was smashed. You know, I have no idea what a normal eater is. It confuses the heck out of me. My husband came out of the kitchen one day with one cookie. And this one little cookie took five minutes for to eat. The shock that, I just want to end with this, the shock that the realization, of the realization that I was doomed to that old way of life and would never be normal unless, unless I work this program no matter what unless I stay abstinent no matter what and remembered every day the pain and the suffering in my life before, Overeaters Anonymous and every day be grateful to my higher power for the life I choose to live today and for the newcomers that keep coming back and for the relapsed people who keep coming back and remind me of what it was like, because it is a little short-term memory. Thank you all for being here.
0: All right. Uh, Thank you, Alice. Our second speaker is Julie from San Leandro, who will speak for 25 minutes and get a warning with five minutes left.
1: Hi, right, well, my name is Julie, I'm a over Reader and this is scary as hell. Hi, Julie. <sighs> goodness. And then I think, well, who are you talking to? <laughs> Why am I worried? Um, you know, it's like, you know, really when you think about it, it's like I'm worried about talking to people who ate out of garbage cans, you know, stuffed food under their clothing. Yeah, I mean, you know, or uh, took enough laxatives to float a battleship. I mean... As a friend of mine said, you know, you're a beautiful bunch of diseased people, and I, th- I think, yeah, we clean up well, you know, we clean up well. Um, so uh, I will, I will, as our previous speaker just said, tell you um, quickly. Um, I've been coming. I, I, you know, you think life without sugar is tough? Try life without estrogen. Huh? It really sucks, and. My memory is just shot to hell on a hand card. So I found out that July 1st, I turned 20 years in it. I think I'm still on 19. You know, I turned 20. And I still think I'm 47. Well, you know, so there are some advantages to that uh, memory thing. Um, so uh, I've been coming to a synonymous longer than that, though. And uh, what it said here is, you know, most of us have been in to admit We were real compulsive overeaters. And no person likes to think he's bodily and mentally different from his fellows. The idea that we are, you know, like other people, presently maybe has to be smashed. Well, I'm going to tell you how this got smashed for me, okay? I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story, what it used to be like, because that's what smashed it for me. That's the only thing I know smashes it for me. A good sponsor has not smashed it for me, and I've had some damn good sponsors. Excellent meetings haven't smashed it for me, and I've been to some dynamite meetings. Um, The only thing that smashed this for me was food and my behavior around food and my thinking about food, my obsession with food and my compulsion with food. all oh, it smashed it for me. And when we, not to be upbeat, but when we bury people in this program, it's because it didn't get smashed. Bottom line. Because it says in here, the first step in recovery is not that I admit I'm powerless, it's that I can see through my innermost self, not to you, not to my sponsor, but to myself, that I am a compulsive reader, anorexic, or bulimic. It's all the same damn coin. Okay? It's all the same coin. All right? And I know this because I've been all three. Okay? I am an underachieving anorexic. I will admit that. But I was there for a brief shining moment, and to me it was shining. Okay? I know that it's nothing funny about it, but my goal weight has always been my birth weight. That's my goal. I'm shooting for that. I don't make it, but that's what I was shot for, okay? And I used to say I was born a compulsive over here because I came in this world a fat baby, nine pounds, 11 ounces in 1956, was a choker, man, and it got worse from there. I've seen pictures of myself. There's no imagination about it. I was an obese baby. I was an obese baby. My mother's, my pediatrician bawled my mom out because I was an obese baby. she just, she just likes to eat. I felt like going, yeah, you know. And, but the truth is, is according to this book, it says there are people who are, you know, continuous or hardy. I'm a hard eater, you know. But it says at some point in our eating careers, we cross that invisible line into compulsive overeating. And I believe I didn't do that till I was 17 years old. Up and until that time, uh, food has always played, you know, a big important role. Normal eaters. I remember in our elementary school, some kid coming up to me and talking to my sister and saying, "Is your little sister gonna eat that whole piece of cake?" Now, to me, these days it would be considered small. In those days, I guess it was considered big. And I felt like, of course, of course I am. And and then she goes, "Boy, she's gonna get that." Well, you know, truer words were never spoken. And I did. Uh, I, you know, have always had school nurses tell me, honey, don't you think you need to lose a little weight? You know, sometimes from the front of the room. Um, And my first diet was at the age of seven. Okay? I have Detecto permanently emblazoned on the, you know, feet. Okay? So where I've stepped on a scale all my life okay all my life my family has all had a weight problem and the reason why i was on a diet at age of seven is because my mother knew what it was like to be terrorized and humiliated by others she did not want to see her daughter go through this so she me really i wouldn't have to go through it <laughs> right god bless her heart you know it was the only way she knew how to do it she'd never been to as anonymous you know i got to remember that i've been going to a billion meetings and my family hasn't they don't mm mm-hmm. so and it always used to piss me off. I just have to say this right now, that why the law of physics are such that if you eat, I should have asked the professor that, a pound of candy, why do you not gain a pound of weight? I don't get that. I, yeah, I You know, today I, I was telling somebody because, because of <sighs> menopause, I had to release even decaf coffee. I don't get any coffee at all. And now I say that not to garner sympathy, just to complain. And and I tell her, you know, I'm a mean God. The truth is I know I don't have a mean God. But I also know life ain't fair. Fair's in Pomona. Go there if you want fair, you know. There, you know life ain't fair, Julie, you know. And the problem is though is that I work at an art center for disabled adults and I teach people who have maybe one working hand and the rest of them's in a wheelchair and they can't even go to the bathroom when needed. Tell me about fair. You know? I got no room to talk about fair. Okay? So, I realize that. But I also you know, I have a loving higher power who lets me complain for a while, and then after a while I start knowing, shut up, Julie. You got it. You got it better than you. Frankly, I hope I don't start crying, because I know I've got it better than I ever dreamed possible. I really do. Okay? So, how do I know I'm bodily and different? Well, I've been told all my life, like I to say. Seven years old. Okay? so. And I know that I don't react like other kids. Other kids at Nutrition Break would have A-roll and they're fine. You know, I would have A-roll and then want rolls the rest of the day. I remember, I mean, like all this stuff, it just, you know, I'm not one of these people that was lucky enough to black out their childhood. I remember every bit of it. And I remember, and, you know, 14 years old, I'm in cooking class. And the person I was with used the term, this is too rich. And I thought, what does that mean? You know, breathing a, size, a piece of you know, cheesecake the size of my finger. And she's like, oh, this is so rich. And I thought, okay. what does that mean? You know, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm one of these people that, you know, I observe normal people. I've tried to imitate normal people. I've spent all my life, prior to this program, trying to fake normal. Okay? I've tried to fake normal. Um, I, have, I knew I was mentally different when I'm in a training program for uh, a department store and the lady training us had a bag of M&Ms that is, this is a tape, two inches by three inches. I personally carried a one pound bag in my purse most of the time for nutritional value and quick energy purposes and when i saw her take that little bag eat it halfway down roll the rest up put it back in her purse i thought different planet and it was until i was here where i met other people moving on the planet like me okay that's what it felt like i really knew countless times, wedding receptions, people scraping, frosting off of cake, and I'm thinking, what is wrong? Can I have that? I wanted to say that really. Can I have that? You know, can I have the- I was only the gals that cut the cake. I thought it was like, well, surely they, and then, you know, they just wipe it on a napkin. Uh, anyway, okay, so that's my thinking process, folks, all right? That's my thinking process. You know, um, I finally got it, you know, and we don't share this with people, the kind of stuff we think, the kind of thing. I didn't. I mean, what am I going to tell somebody? I'd like to hang out with you. Okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to, uh, let's see, Albertsons, and uh, I'm going to try and get a different checker so they won't recognize me, and I'm going to buy a couple bags of groceries, and this is how you got to work it. You got to get salty and you got to get sweet because you can't have too much of either one or you're going to get sick. And the idea is to just keep going. I know you're feeling sick, but you're eat through that, okay, if you just keep on going. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a lunch, and I'm also going to get some things that they can put on the top of the bag so I can take it when I get home. Oh, and by the way, if you're with me, I'm another five, and we're having a party at home, okay? So you want to keep that, that alias, and uh, oh, I'll probably get a gothic romance novel because, you know, I am not living in reality 90% of the time. So I throw that in the bag, we're going to put it in the car, I'm going to eat half of it on the way home. I'm not giving you any, and when we get home, I'm going to lie on my green Naugahyde soap I need until I pass out. And if you want to join me in night, you're welcome.
2: <laughs>
1: that was my idea of a good day, okay? my idea of a good day and then I'm going to eat dinner so you don't know that's what I did all afternoon. I intuitively knew that normal people would not go for this. I intuitively knew that other people did not do these kinds of things because nobody talked about it. That was one of the attractions of all these anonymous when I came in. People talked about it. I heard people who were doing what I was doing, putting one wrapper in another wrapper, you know, the bad wrapper in the socially acceptable wrapper and throwing it in the trash to cover, you know, cover your trash. So, you know, I knew how to, you know, creatively fluff up place of cookies. So there were 12, now there are four. But it looks like 12, so, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> So it's like I knew that stuff, and I knew other people didn't do that stuff because I'd seen them not do it. And the most miserable eating I've ever done is prior to LA when I didn't have a program, and I didn't have a higher power, and I didn't have 12 steps, and I didn't have new people to talk to, and I didn't have a sponsor, and I tried to approximate normal. I am a five-time flunk out of a com- Commercially Successful Weight Loss Program. I have paid another Commercially Successful Weight Loss Program over $350 to electroshock my arm and try and convince me I don't like chocolate, there ain't enough electricity in the grid, and that's the way it is. You know, that didn't work either, and, okay, bodily and memory different. You get the picture, bodily and memory different from thoughts. okay. So how do I know about antibiotics and believing I got in here, and I mistook working the steps and having a spiritual awakening and serenity as weight loss. If I can mean, just get thin enough, I know I'm going to feel like those people, my heroes were the anorexics. I thought they were low weight. I didn't know they were suffering, okay? And I tried to get like them, so I got to 98 pounds from this program. I was 98 pounds. I couldn't walk up the of stairs. I'm wearing formal underwear in the summer down here because I'm cold all the time. I can't sit on a toilet seat because the bones are hitting the seat, you know, and I would have kept going, folks, because I knew food was my enemy. Except I made the mistake of going to an OA retreat, and I wasn't working any steps. I was kind of. I admitted I was fat. I believed OA could help. Step two, step three, I turned my life over the care of God once about a year and a half ago, and uh, now I'm turning my life over the care of food scale, and I didn't have my food scale. And I started with an extra piece of broccoli, and I found a lock up the food between meals at OA retreats because I checked the locks, and um, I began compulsive overeating. I went from and this is going to the meetings, 98 to 200, and I, I stopped weighing at 186, but trust me, 200 or above in less than three months. Okay? 16 pounds in 6 days. That's not I eat because I like the taste. That's not I eat because, you know, whatever reason. I was doing that because I was in the throes of a compulsion beyond my control. Okay? Now, in between all that, I know, coming back down again, I have exercised in a bulimic manner. I have... Uh, taking laxatives in a bulimic manner, I know what it's like to be on that treadmill of running as hard as you can, as fast as you can, to keep that weight off and to keep eating at the same time. I know what it feels like, okay? That's why, in my personal opinion, and anything I say up here is my opinion, if you disagree with me, that's just fine. I, you know, good. There are so many ways to work, you know, like I said, there's many roads up Mount Fuji. There are many ways to work this program. This is just my experience, okay? and hopefully I'm sharing that and not my opinion. I'll probably share my opinion, but you can disregard that. The program is in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the LA&AA Approved Literature. That's where the program is. This is just my experience with it, okay? So anyway, ten and a half years of and abstain. two and a half years of going to meetings, trying to get absence back. You know, it convinced me, okay? Prior to that, I was very thin, and I was also, you know, stupid. I was ignorant. I did not know why people ate again. I thought they were stupid. I thought, why the hell did I do that? I found out why. And for 25 years, I was a shining example of why you don't take that first compulsive bite. And I think we save lives no matter what, where we are. You know, if I'm in a bad place, I'm helping the person who's talking to me. And if I'm in a good place and they're in a bad place and we all take turns, you know, the reason why this isn't Joan's parents is because we're not all bad on the same day, okay? So, that's why it's good to have a very full phone book. So, anyway, you know, I know. It's like it took two and a half years and a hundred pound weight, uh, weight gain to really get it in my head, honest and really truly, you know, despite all the things you know about program, Julie. In the first year of abstinence, what I learned from two and a half years of engine. I learned I was powerless over food. That's what I learned in two and a half years of managing. I didn't even get my life as unmanageable till the next year, year two, when you, you're go, you spending the here, year and it's like, what's after this? The next day. Yeah. I have to keep doing this, you know? So, and I got to keep doing this. And as a result of working with a sponsor, here's what they laid out for me as my program, and they did not give me choices. They said, you're the thinking right, you hurt. Why don't you try ours? Okay? And ours was, my sponsors was at that time, uh, you get to abstain and read the big book, read the other literature, go to a minimum of a certain amount of meetings, and call me every day with your food, and uh, after three days, you can start sponsoring. God bless the people I sponsored, And um, and you get to, you know, um, work to step by service. You can care the literature now. You can help se- the First pre- the pre- Secretary set up chairs. You can do those things. Get out of self. That's the problem here. Bonders of yourself. Get out of self. And so um, I started doing this stuff because I was convinced. Two and a half years of binging. And have never had days where you thought, I wish I'd never heard of over-eaters anonymous? I felt like that abstinent some days. There were some days where, I mean, I knew I wasn't normal. By this time, it's so clear, okay? I know my thinking is screwy, and how much time have I got left? Thanks. I'm mean, going you know, mm. all right, let me tell you what's happened as a result. Oh, the obsession, the compulsion to eat, okay. Um, I have come so close. Let me tell you this. My absence has been stretched, and I mean absence, not plan eating, to the limit. What's my absence? Bottom line, no binging, no sugar in the form of cakes, cookies, and candies. Okay? Now there's a whole host of foods that I cannot eat successfully, family, socially, at all. Yeah, don't do it well. I don't eat them. They're not on my plan of eating. But bottom line, earthquake, tornado, tsunami, no sugar, no bread, Because I always think, like, you know, that Gorgeous Meredith Pollock's one thing, that, what if the rest of the world is peanut butter? What will I do? If, you know, you'll eat it till something else becomes available, and then you'll stop. Yeah. Oh. Okay. What if it's only cookies? Then you're going to die. Because you die anyway. <laughs> you know? It's, you know, you want the slow train, you want the, you know, jumbo jet, take your pick, you know. So, um, what has, what, as a result of doing those things, what's sort the of reason I'm going to for me? I need to tell you guys that. I need to tell you what, <sighs> and here comes the church part. Okay, I need to tell you that as a result of working that program, I can, as long as I don't open my mouth and you don't look in my eyes, pass the normal. I can pass for normal. I've been able to be a worker among workers and I learned that here. I have been able to be a wife and I learned that here. I've been able to um, finally find a job. I've, I'm an artist, so you know, I'm just, yeah, I have to have a placard like a handicapped little well, Never old, a good job. <laughs> handicapped know, you know, waitress, picture framer, uh, you know, delivery girl i have done it and now I get to teach art adult to adults with disabilities and it is the best job I have ever had and on a daily basis it taxes my very soul because I'm having to give a lot and this program helps me show up again. So I'm able to do a job I could never do even. Um, as a result of this program, um, I I used to weigh 200, I think I weighed around 130, you know, somewhere in there because my pants are like type 6, loose 8. Right? Um, and most importantly, this program is, see, I just came from the uh, from the um, agnostic uh, atheist meeting. It was a real good meeting, you know. And uh, and I'm like, yeah. Uh, when I came in here, I had a real hard time with a higher power. Real hard time. Because you can't say, oh, God, help me not eat again, and I eat again. Oh, God, help me not eat again, and I eat again. God begins to have a little credibility problem with me after doing that for the 150th time. So what happened was, was one day, after consuming a pound of butter and a loaf of bread, and I went to an a meeting because I was too ashamed to come here, and at least I had gotten drunk. I said, no, I just ate. And for some reason, I heard what this little amphetamine addict told me, which was, you know, why don't you just abstain for Julie? In other words, for the first time in my life, I could hear that my dues were paid up, and I was killing the wrong person. I've spent all my life trying to kill the wrong person. And I had to stick around here long enough to find out who was really home. And to you know I didn't have to, i did not have to kill me anymore. I could be, the whole concept of the idea of being kind to myself was so foreign. Unbelievable. And I have to learn how to do it. You can, I tell one of my because she's like me, I say, you can even bear joy a day at a time if you hang in there with this program. You know, a good life can be yours and you will be able to stand it. Anyway, you guys have given me a power greater than myself. You've given me a life. But I really, frankly, never wanted somebody's question.? Okay, I mean, it's like, you know, I get a phone call at 6.05 in the morning. You know, and you know how we are. And all that other stuff and you know you go to meetings and you do the deal and and frankly you know i'd rather be um numb and oblivious except no i don't i really want to be here because <sighs> because this is the best deal at any price it was the best deal i ever got i got a God today I've got to realize today I spent all my life going, how does this thing work? I don't get it. I don't get life. I don't get how to do it on square peg, round hole. I don't get it. Today I get it. Today my job is to be service to you, do the next right thing, practice these principles, and that's the deal. And as a result of that, I have not had to consume an entire cake in over 20 years, okay? And when I was on my knees begging whatever was out there for help, I didn't give a shit if I got a good job. I didn't care if I met the man of my dreams. I didn't care about anything, but God just helped me stop eating. And I've been given that and a whole lot more. It's one of those things where you get the gift and you have to work your ass off for it. You know, I am not responsible for my disease, but I am damn well responsible for my recovery. And at the same time, I'm not that's my higher power too you know I'm just responsible for the footwork I'm responsible for the action this is an action program I am responsible for the action but I'm not responsible for the results my higher power is and the results thus far have been pretty damn good okay not perfect but pretty damn good and you know with a brain like mine I'll tell you I just gotta say that And if you're struggling with the food right now, if you are having a hell of a time, if you are hanging on by your fingernails, keep hanging on. Keep coming back. Nobody is judging you. Nobody gives a shit whether you're eat sorry. Nobody cares whether you're eating or not. What we care about is we want to see your face. We want to hold your hand. That's what I wanted to end with. Okay, when I was in Massachusetts as a kid, and you're on the Atlantic coast where they have murky waves, okay, little wavy really things, right? But they have these, we used to string out this rope, and everybody would hold on to the rope, and the waves come along and go, woo! You know, you go up and you go down. Okay? That's what we do here. We all hang on to the rope, and you get to go, whee! When the waves come, instead of, you know, eating sand back at the shore.
0: Okay. We will now have uh, 10 minutes of questions from the Ask It Basket. Um, <clears throat> okay. And I, I'm going to assume here that if it wasn't addressed to either speaker that e- either one of them can answer. So the first question is, um, or both, how do you go from having a relationship with food to having a relationship with the opposite sex? <laughs>
1: average compulsive eater i asked dan to have the slip again because i'm like not wanting to deal with this um when i was first then i think it was like the first no the first week i was up there the next week i was back down to the reality um, i wasn't married yet but pretty close to it um, i was scared to death of what i would turn into without the disease. I was afraid that the relationship I had with the man I married was going to be tossed to the rocks because I would become something other than what I was. I didn't know. This also reminds me of my body image stuff, which I'm like, oh geez, I'm 58 and I'm like, crap. You know, I have no problem going to the beach in a bathing suit because I'm 58 and it's like Who's gonna look, who cares? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it ripples and, you know, but, you know, like my husband says, well, you're still a Puritan, aren't you, you know, and um, it's something that I work with my sponsor on, okay? It's something that I write about. and. I remind myself I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm not too tightly wrapped. How do you go from having a relationship with a food to a relationship with the opposite sex? Um, when I'm in the food, my world is very, very, very small and you have no room in it. You maybe have a bit part, but not many speaking roles. And really and truly, you know, I've canceled dates to stay home and eat, okay? So the way to have, in my personal opinion, and experience to have a relationship with the opposite sex, or any sex for that matter, is, um, and I have had sex with a chance. sandwich, I just want you to know that. Um, but seriously, this is your question. And the way to have a relationship with anybody Is to stop eating compulsively, okay? And don't do it for—I mean, do it for anybody you want. If you're doing it for somebody, fine. Eventually, you'll be doing it for you. But it's all about just put down the food. It's like it says in our big book that nature and God like a poor vacuum. When you take the food out of your life. So much good stuff has a chance to go in. Don't worry about how you're going to have a relationship. We have 12 steps to tell you how to have a relationship with the opposite sex. You know, we don't. And um, take the food out so the good things can come in, okay? That, that's, that's my only answer to that. Thanks.
0: Uh, for either or both. Um, what do you do to cope with obsessive thinking that isn't about food, i.e., they're doing it to me, they, they, they?
1: <laughs> okay, obsessive thinking. A couple of things help me when I have obsessive thinking about anything. Uh, One is to call somebody else and share it. Another is to ask a higher power to remove it. Another is to write about it. And another is to uh, meditate. I had to fight fire with fire. When my head was going, I would say the serenity pair over and over and over again. Eventually, when my head doesn't have an audience, it gets tired and stops. Sometimes it doesn't. i make a phone call, but those kinds of things. But if they're doing it to you, uh, this, it, we don't recommend other programs officially, uh, but uh, there's one that starts with an A and it ends with an N. And it's very good for this kind of thing when they're doing it to you. Okay? Um, so that's all about that. That's why we have, you know, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I mean, it's really good for they're doing it to me because what happens a lot of times is I find out not only are they doing it to me, but I am volunteering. Okay, Uh, not always, but sometimes. So um, those are two ways. Hi, Alice again here. Oh no no no! Cover the reflection thing. Oh, what do you do to cope with obsessive thinking that isn't food? You're doing it to me, the son of a gun. Um, that's to me what the inventory process is for, whether it's four or ten. And I talked to my sponsor about it first. Um, I had occasion about three weeks ago to remember somebody I was totally PO'd about a whole lot from 37 years ago like I forgot about her but you know what and as I talked to the sponsor I realized I didn't do anything to promote what she did to me so I had no involvement in it I was I acted in a cultured manner I didn't deck her which was a consideration because she was small and when I do the inventory I get to what's my part in it and I realize, you know like Julie said you know I was a willing recipient um, because I was a piece of you know what starts with an S ends with a T I was scum I was disgusting scum and I deserved whatever crap you wanted to give me I took it willingly Well, when I look at my side of the street, I see, oh, well, oh, and then my my defects of character. Oh, okay, and then, you know, do I actually owe amends? Uh Uh-huh, even though righteous indignation tells me, I don't need to. I need to. Thanks.
0: We only have a couple of minutes left, so I'm going to try and um, take a risk here and combine some of these questions and let both of, both of our speakers respond. Uh, how do you turn over your food obsession? Do you still get obsessive over food? What's, what's the best... <coughs> Apparently that's funny. What's, what's the uh, best defense from obsessive overeating? What particular obsession... Uh, when particular obsessions return for a particular food, how do you handle it? What do you do to not think about food a lot? I'll
2: just
0: leave them. Leave them all up there. Pick one. Yeah, I like that. Blah blah blah
2: blah
1: blah. Okay, two minutes, Alice. Um, what's the best defense from obsessive overeating? Oh, that would be Overeaters Anonymous. Okay. <laughs> Actually, working the program of Overeaters Anonymous uh, when a particular obsession returns. A particular food how do you handle it i don't eat it um how do you turn over your food obsessions do you still get uh, obsessive about food of course i get obsessive about that and you know what i do i just pray about and i go well duh you're a compulsive overeater it happens and what do i do i talk to my sponsor i write about it generally nowadays i just kind of I visualize one of those old radios I'm 58 now remember the old radios with the tubes in them you know and I actually visualize turning the volume down and then turning the radio off because it just doesn't matter thanks okay I'll be quick usually when I'm obsessed with the food there's something else going on in my life I need to be talking with people, I need the inventory, and I, above all, you know, most of us would rather talk about general herpes than what we're eating, <laughs> so I find I have to be really honest and tell my sponsor, you know, like, hey, I just had a big meal, okay? Do I ever get obsessed with food? You betcha. It's, I'm sorry, some people really get a real release, I am always going to be concerned about when's lunch. Like, I know right now it's 11 days, oh good, 30 minutes, I can do 30 minutes, no problem. Um... And what do I do when not think about food a lot? All I can tell you is this. For the first nine months of absence, the monkey was on my back like a gorilla, okay? And I can tell you this, that if, if you're really obsessed with food, hang in there. Don't <laughs> act on it, okay? Do the tools we've talked about, okay? And the obsession goes, if it didn't go away, if it didn't get better, if there wasn't relief, no, you're doing this stuff. It's too hard. But it goes away. It gets better. Over the years, the obsession with food has gotten less and less. Does it return? Yeah. I've had times where I just thought, you know. The, the thing is, is that today it'll walk in and I let it walk out. I know that I can't afford to fond of such thoughts for very long. I don't get to think, oh, it wasn't it good back then? I have to remember, and what was it really like, Julie? Think the food through. You know what the first bite sounds like. It's going to be great. But what was the 120th bite feeling like? You know, get real. How was it really? And those kinds of things, and I'm sure your sponsor can suggest a lot more, too, but all I can tell you is that it it gets better. It's not perfect. I don't think it will ever be perfect. I know it won't ever be perfect, but it's just better, and I rely on my higher power, and I lean into this program when the food's really talking to me. You know how you walk by the refrigerator and it's just another appliance? And other days, you walk by the refrigerator and you're like, oh, you know? It's just it's a different deal. Thanks.
0: All right. Uh, We will now have open sharing. We will have time for approximately three shares. Um, If you have already shared at another workshop, please give others a chance to share before you come forward. Let me share to three minutes. We will have a timer. Uh, Stay on the topic, please. And sign the tape release form after you share. I'll I'll hand it to you. Or it'll be right up here in the front. Uh, Who would like to share?
1: My name is Alineen, i operator. Thank you both so much. I really just want to sit here or stand just a few minutes and cry. Uh, I'm just incredibly grateful for what I heard and for this program. It gave me a life that I never could have imagined. Um, but I, When I think about the insanity of the food, um, I just thought of something funny. You know, I was a vegetarian and I... Um, and I only ate organic fruits and vegetables, and I made my cat's food. I made my cat's food with organic meat and organic grains and organic vegetables and i would only eat organic fruits and vegetables and then i would drink on snickers bars you know so you know to me that's the insanity of this disease like so organic 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 wouldn't eat anything bad and then couldn't stand it had to go to 7-eleven to get six candy bars so you know that's how I, that's that was what my best thinking got me in my life um and uh I can't think of anything else. I guess all I really want to say is I'm really grateful to be here. The humor that I get to hear and the seriousness of this disease together is what helps me to recover. And I thought I had to do it all by myself. And I thought I was smart enough and I thought I was, or I thought I needed to be smart enough. I was really just pretending because what I looked like on the outside and what was going on with me on the inside were two totally different things. But I just wouldn't think I could let you know. And actually, I didn't think I could let me know that I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I'm just so incredibly grateful that I don't have to do that anymore. And I love when I hear the honesty of, of course the oppression comes back at times. And I forget that. I, I think that, you know, if I'm working my program and I'm showing up, and by the way, I never think I'm working it hard enough. I never think I'm doing enough. My head definitely tells me that. But I think if I'm doing all these things, that the food shouldn't come up for me. And thank God I have people to the hearing program who are ahead of me that remind me, honey, you're a compulsive overeater. Of course that's going to happen. But I don't have to pick up the food no matter what. There are foods that I would think about the peanut butter. Oh, my God, if peanut butter was the only thing left in the world, I might have to die because, you know, that's another thing. I I would eat a jar of peanut butter, you know. But it wasn't, I didn't sit down to eat the jar of peanut butter. I would say, I'm going to have a tablespoon. And I'd have a tablespoon. And then I'd put it back in the refrigerator. And then it would go, Ali, You're not done yet. And I'd go, and then before I knew it, I would finish the whole jar of peanut butter. So, but what that reminds me is maybe 90% of the people out here can eat peanut butter, you know, and I'm sorry for bringing up the food if that's not okay, but I can't. So thanks for that. Answer.
3: My name is Shirley. I'm a compulsive overrated and a gray here. Hi, Shirley. Thank you so much, Allison. You were talking about uh, the diets. Uh, I, I forgot, it's been so long since I dieted, so, you know, I, I get to remember all that stuff, and it's the reminding, I remember going to a doctor and saying, well, I'm big boned. And I mean, that was, because I heard my mother say this, and, uh, he had these little glasses on, and he just looked over his glasses, and he said, really? He said, you know, I don't believe I've ever seen a fat skeleton. So, you know, that really gave me something to think about. And, uh, and with the peanut butter, we had, uh, I had called an exterminator we had mice uh, and they have they don't have the mouse trap that traps anymore they have like a little square thing that they put something on and I didn't know what it was and I said well what is that he said it's peanut butter I said really what kind (laughs) so I qualify for the insanity thing
0: I need you to come back and sign a release form somebody else like to share
4: Hi, my name is Powell. I'm a composite bow reader, yes, good to to see all your faces, amazing, I love to be here, and uh, the great obsession, oh my God, I've been struggling with this great obsession that I can't handle food like a normal person from day one. I walk around still up to this day, I've been in the program over a year, and I'm still thinking, oh, my God, I can handle this. this. This food stuff is easy. I can handle it like a normal person. And every time I look back and I'm looking at what I've tried to do when I thought I was normal, you know. I, like, try to add bread to my three meals a day, you know. Like, oh, I can handle this three meals a day. is easy. Let me add a little bread. It started going out of control. A week later, it was two slices a week later it was a whole loaf before i i had my meal you know i gave it up so i started introducing diet sodas one day you know and then one night i'm sitting there i have drinking three two liter bottles of diet soda you know i couldn't handle i had to give it up you know and it's just, it's just unreal. Where it keeps coming back, trying to to think I'm I'm normal. I can handle food like other people, you know. But I I seriously can And every time I, I I try to let my food get bigger, it takes me to, to a worse place. And although I've been in the program for over a year, I've lost 170 pounds and i have right now a week of abstinence you know because i'm still struggling with it i can't let go of this obsession it's so hard but every time i do let it go a little bit i get a little bit more serenity i get a little bit better i get a little bit more humility and that's how i'm really i'm keep coming back I'm I'm keep fighting the good fight because i know it's worth it i'm seeing here you guys are all proof and it's 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 so helpful. I mean, one of my biggest things in, in my life before the program was that I used to achieve a small small goal and I said, Okay, I've I've accomplished something. I let go now, I can jail life, I can go back to food and celebrate it. Here I'm learning. You can grow. You have to keep growing. You have to If you make a mistake, if you you relapse, if whatever it is you know you're struggling with, fight it, do the good action, and keep going. And that's probably the biggest gift I've gotten from the program. Thanks.
0: I think we have time for one more.
3: My name is Aliyah. I'm a compulsive reader um, I just wanted to share a little bit um, about my great obsession before I came into the program about 18 months ago. And I remember the trips, the endless trips to the doctor, just swearing. I knew there was something wrong with me. Please, my thyroid. Do I have, uh, there's something wrong. Uh, how about a nutritional imbalance and the tests that I would ask my doctor to run. And she would just look at me and say, what are you eating? And I kept saying, I'm eating. I just know I am. Um, I can't. I just know I'm not having more than 1,500 calories a day, and I've put on 40 pounds in the last year. How can this be? I'm sick. I just know it. I just didn't know what kind of sickness I had. Um, And so it took me a good three or four years of trying to diagnose myself with every possible disease that could put on weight overnight, uh, and then it finally, I was so desperate that I came into Overeaters Anonymous because I just didn't know what else I could do. Um, and I had been given prescriptions for drugs. I would found a doctor who would be willing to give me things, who ran some blood work, and she had some theories about maybe it was some endocrinology imbalance, and so I got to take all these drugs, and she would you know, nothing worked. And um, what I finally have realized now uh, is that the obsession of there's something wrong with my body turns into these disease, this, this disease thinking, there was part of the disease thinking, and until we come in and start looking the steps, and when I actually had to do my first, second, and third steps is when I realized that it had nothing to do with chemistry. It had to do with food, and it was all about what I was putting in my mouth. And I think some of the biggest revelations for me the first few months was um, really realizing and, and sort of doing real honest inventory of what I was eating that I added it up in my mind, and what I saw was 1,500 calories. When I sat down with a person who was qualified nutritionist to do this, it came out to about 3,500 calories a day that I was eating. And so the denial that I had been in before this program was such that I – told doctors, and I swore up and down and backwards and forwards that all I was eating was 1,500 calories, and it took this program to realize that that was all part of the disease thinking. And thank you very much for sharing your stories. That was very helpful for me to hear. Thanks.
0: Okay. I think that's all the time we have. Um, I would uh, like us all to thank our speakers again one more time, please. Okay, it's now time to close the workshop. If you wrote a question you didn't get it answered because we didn't have enough time, you might want to uh, talk to the speakers afterwards. Um, please join me in a moment of silence followed by the third set prayer. that victory over them may bear witness to those that I would help with thy power, thy love, and thy really will love. May I do thy will, love. Amen. Keep coming back. and work, works if you work it. <clears throat> Thank you. Have a great lunch.